Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie? Look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. So there's people that are saying, hey, President Trump, you said you're going to, you're going to, you know, drain the swamp. But you didn't drain the swamp. Okay. We voted for you draining the swamp. There, this is literally the conversation that happens yes. when I talk to people. Yes. You did not drain the swamp. If he was part of swamp, why did you leave him there? Why did you keep him there? So now there's certain people that are sitting there. The next concern, I call 2023 the year of investigations. I call this in December of last year saying yeah. this is going to be a year where everybody's going to be going through investigations. Okay. The most viral moment of the debate in 2016 between President Trump and Clinton, Hillary Clinton was what? Because you'd be in jail. <laughs> Boom. It was the most viral moment. Yes. Yes. And you know what a lot of people said? Man, we would love for her yes. to finally be held accountable. Yes. Nothing happened. Yeah. Hey, uh, 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 you know, Governor DeSantis said, I would have fired Fauci. I think he said that on the yes. Pierce Morgan show yes. that he did, okay? Now, uh, Anthony Fauci this week when he was being interviewed, he said, I think we need to stop with this playing game and kind of move on, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a person like this yeah. that gets away with all of that, yes. what can the president do? Say President Trump does get elected. Yes. The voters may say one of the things we want you to do is we want you to investigate the origins of COVID yeah. as well as yeah. things that yeah. Anthony Fauci did, kind of like what we got with Twitter files. We want to yeah. find that out. Can the voters get something from President Trump to get to the bottom of what happened with Fauci? Yes. Um, it, it, look, the, the big overarching principle here from the Taking Back Trump's America book, which was, was quite harsh in terms of criticizing my colleagues inside the West Wing and in the administration, um, the old saw of personnel is policy, right, that Reagan said you get the right people, you get the right policy. Well, in the Trump administration, bad personnel was not only bad policy, it was bad politics. And there were just a lot of people that stabbed him in the back that had been appointed or talked him into things that he knows now he shouldn't, shouldn't have done. Okay, and at the, when you talk about Hillary Clinton... The two problems we had was Jeff Sessions as AG, Attorney General to DOJ, and then Bill Barr. Sessions, I, I love Jeff, um, wasn't the brightest bulb on the planet, but if he had been Secretary of DHS, Homeland Security, he would have been there for four years and, and served admirably, okay? Putting him in at the Justice Department into that shark tank, he got immediately taken out when he recused himself on the, the Trump-Russia hoax stuff. Mm -hmm. And that left inside the career bureaucrats to deal with the issue, and it never got dealt with, right? And then Bill Barr comes along. He's a, he's a white-shoe globalist Republican who, you know, when the boss appointed him, I just, like, said to myself, why? That this will end badly, and it did. And Barr, um, for example, the worst thing Barr did that, that actually cost Trump the election, and it did cost him the election, was not prosecute swiftly the information on the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. I don't know if you know this, but they had, Bill Barr had that laptop over a year before the election, and they just sat on that. And, and, and we know now that that laptop was real, that what's in it 
implicates by Hunter Biden and 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 in all likelihood the big guy Joe Biden in all sorts of ten percent for the big guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like so. And and the Trump Trump administration was riddled with people like that. When in the West Wing, the, the guys I always had to fight on the trade issue was first Gary Cohn, the Goldman Sachs, New York liberal Democrat. Why is he there? Uh, to support Wall Street, and then and then Kudlow, um, who replaced him, and then Steve Mnuchin, another kind of. So the, my point is that the second time will be different. I am convinced of that. At the end, he had the boss had Johnny McEntee running personnel, and and I can think of nobody better than Johnny McEntee to make sure that the people who go in are Trump people and that they know what to do. And the beauty of a second term is that the learning curve, that's why DeSantis would not be a good good immediate choice. There's a big learning curve so going we have, into the White House. We have to learn from 2020, okay? And based on your book, yes. Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House, and How We Will, will Win It Back, I'm going to read a couple things from your book, and I'm going to sure. get your reaction to it. So during the home stretch of the 2020 election, President Trump was rocked by one of the worst presidential campaigns in modern history. Yep. You're saying this. That's your claim. They ran effectively one of the worst presidential campaigns in modern history with stark con- contrast to 2016. The president himself, I think, did a wonderful job leading the country. He had a vision, but he frankly was let down by bad personnel that got inside the West Wing and never should have. Navarro told the Washington Examiner Monday at a cocktail. Impressive for his new book, Taking Back Trump's Why We Lost the White House. And then you continue. But in Navarro's mind, the election should have been a landslide, that they would have likely eclipse any potential fraud campaign uh, ineptness uh, morphed Trump's showdown with Biden into something far closer than it otherwise would have been. And then you, you continue to talk about, you know, the West Wing dumpster. He has long lamented that uh, the Trump administration was stacked with poor personal choices, such as former chief economic advisor Gary Cohen, former Treasury Secretary Steve Ma- uh, uh, um, Mnuchin, Mnuchin and former chief of staff John Kelly. And then, last but not least, there was one man in particular who's involved in particularly Peeve Navarro, Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. In 2016, we were significantly outspent by, but the money was used wisely. And in 2020, we had plenty of money, but Kushner burdened it like monkey with a (laughs) flamethrower. And when push came to shove in final six weeks of the campaign, we ran out of money, Navarro said. There were young kids over there making six figures, and then when the pandemic hit, they didn't even work, come to work. Yeah. While Brad Pascal was the chief of the floundering Trump campaign on paper, Navarro dubs Kushner as the de facto campaign manager responsible for much of the campaign's chaos in his book. Slated for release Tuesday, he alleged that Kushner frequently added points to the polls and lied to the boss. Eventually, Navarro and his allies, backed by Donald Trump Jr., concocted an unsuccessful coup, coup d'etat of sorts of oust Kushner from his campaign uh, perch, according to the book, to Navarro, Kushner was part of a larger problem in the White House, fueling much of Trump's woes was the reapproachment with the traditional Republicans, the former president pursuing pursued during his early White House days. So, I mean, this is a direct call out of Kushner. Yeah. Okay? yeah. Direct call out. This yeah. is his son-in-law. This is married to his daughter. And this is a guy that was on the cover of Time magazine, family business. You know, all the great things he's doing. He's about 20 minutes from here. Yeah, he is. Setting up a a money fund and and leveraging his experience, such as it was, in the White House, making a ton of money, Middle East, maybe China, 
Um, and it was a business to him. And look, if you talk about the campaign itself, I'll give you a couple of examples. Zuckerberg at Facebook spent more money in the battleground states where this election was settled than the Trump campaign did. Think about that. Zuckerberg alone spent more money. You talking about the $400 million? It's a bit more than that. Last time I looked, it was it was more than that, more like eight hundred million. It's a bunch of money, and we we didn't. You, the, look, you talked about me early on running for office. Kind of the one mistake I made. I ran for mayor of San Diego, ninety two, lost by a yeah, percentage point, maybe a percentage point and a half. Okay, the big mistake I made was I spent my money early. Okay, all I need had to do to win that race was wait till the last three to four weeks and spend my money then when people were paying attention. We blew ten ten million dollars Super Bowl ads for sixty seconds, and when when the last three to four weeks of the campaign, we had to pull ads from the battleground states, and Biden outspent us in the battleground states on ads. When, when we outraised him, and uh, this, this shouldn't happen. But the bigger problem, Patrick, was the messaging itself. You know, the message should have been tough on China. It should have been tough on China. And I had a beautiful, one of the things I learned, it's like, you know, I go in there, and I'm kind of a rube when I first get there, and they try to bury me, and it's, that's all chronicled in... Uh, in my In Trump Time book, where they, they, they tried to marginalize me. You know, I've been on the campaign. I've been the top economic advisor. And when I get there, the, the, the Reince Priebus, the chief of staff, and kind of the rhino wing, they try to just bury me over in the EOB. So what I did was dig in and learn how, how power works in the White House. And the, the, the instrument of power in the White House is the executive order and presidential memorandum. And I learned how to write those things. And... I, I think I had more hands and more EOs than any other person in the West Wing when the, when the dust settled. But the one that got away from me that would have swung the election, and it, it should be passed today in Congress, was an executive order that would have held communist China to account for the virus. It called for investigating communist China's role in the virus and estimating the costs um, of that virus on the U.S. economy, demanding reparations, and basically just airing this whole thing out. And I got within a whisker of getting the boss on board with that. He, he liked it initially, but he got talked out of it by the likes of Kushner et al., um, who didn't want to rock the China boat. They thought, oh, we, it's like, no, we can't do that now. But that that would have shifted the blame for the pandemic from Trump's shoulders, which was there unfairly, to where it belonged, to communist China. And that one got away. And that's, to me, the ultimate failure of the, the Trump campaign. We, we ran. We forgot who we were. We were, were mega and we're tough on China. We forgot that. And... We lost. So with the election coming up, Peter, you've got the American people 
were hurting on two sides. One, we were hurting socially because we, we got the virus. We got, you know, vaccines. People yeah. we know are passing away. Yeah. Uh, that's real. It was very real. Very real. But then we yeah. also had economic impact. You know, we see what happened to credit card debt that was ba- later yeah. bailed out by yeah. the uh, by the by the uh, trillions of dollars of printing money and stimulus. So you're saying at that time, just being tough on China would have swung the election. That seems like a, a broad statement with a lot going on with the American well, voter. Yeah. Okay. Let's. let's when when put, was this? It's let's like you put have this... the date January 28, 2020. You're very specific about yeah, that. Yeah. When would you have implemented this tough on China? At what point was that when you when they said no, we're not going to do this? Well, I've, so we can kind of see the mind and the ramp. You're very specific sure. and you're very convincing. Show us the ramp into the election from that day. Okay, let's let's first first make the case that in January 2020, Trump was a lock for re-election at that point. I, I think that the strength of the economy. I don't think anybody would people, debate. Nobody would no, debate no, that. Would debate we that. all remember yeah. the so game then, February then, where yeah, yeah. the NBA player, Mark Cuban on camera, the NHL panics yeah. and cancels it. Yeah. 72 mm-hmm. hours in February. It's probably a book someday. 72 hours in February where life changed for us. Prior to that, 100% agreement. Yeah, and, and, and just as a little side note, um, I was in the Oval Office with the president, with Kudlow, with Mnuchin, with others, Mulvaney, um, in early February before all this fell apart. And they're, they're going like, don't worry about the virus. It's, it's no big deal. We got it under control, right? It's like there's only – Kudlow goes, there are only four cases. And I'm thinking, dude, you don't understand logarithmic progression. You know, there's four today, eight tomorrow, boom, 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 boom. Um, and – one of the problems we had was we we didn't signal that we were taking the virus seriously early, and through the combination of of you know Fauci became the voice of the administration, uh, Trump became the guy that the American people held responsible for everybody dying, and you know we did some great things. I I got some great tales in the book about getting um, cotton swabs over from a, a plant in Italy in three days after commandeering uh, Pentagon planes in the cooperation of FedEx. I mean, we were like, we did as well as we can, but, but we didn't market it well. So my point is that... You talk about the first chapters of yeah, Operation Warp Speed, which yeah, was yeah, testing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and my point is that is that the virus just... just Everybody blame Trump. Okay, let's let's agree that the American people blame Trump for the virus. I think that's for the for not handling the virus well. All right, so that was the problem we were dealing with. The di- the, the 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 conversation about the election um, and, and driven by CNN and MSNBC with their body counts to a certain extent, Fox was that. This is the major issue, and Trump's to blame. I think that's was the sentiment of the country, and it's like, wait a minute, it's like we're doing a good job if we could get that message out. But more importantly, this isn't Trump's fault. This is a, a, a virus from a lab in Wuhan that's being hit. So my thinking was that if we could air that out, that would that would. Basically, and it, we were going to drop the report, okay, the preliminary report. The EO was written. We dropped the preliminary report in the first week in October. And that report 
and it would be from a group of very distinguished people. You know, you look at the data, it's, un, it, it's like there's no doubt that thing came from the lab. And that would have, I think, I think that would have helped with one issue. It would have changed, changed the dialogue on that. But that one got away. You talked, you talked about the, the number of people uh, on the campaign, specifically Kushner, when you're talking about. During that yeah. time, in 2016, Brad uh, Pascal was the digital media director, and then I think in 2020 he became the campaign manager. Yes. In 2016, I recall him being a star. Everybody was talking about, look what a great job he did. But then you're criticizing him for 2020 on what he did. So what was different about Brad in 2016 versus 2020 with his strategy? What Parscale did well was handle digital media. He wasn't running a campaign, mind you. Okay, Running a campaign is a very complex task across 50 states. I mean, you got to do all sorts of stuff. And what he did was one important bucket out of 100. And the, the two worst mistakes that Parscale made, it was the same mistake in a way, was when he got on 60 minutes after the 2016 election and effectively not only claimed credit for the win, you know, it was him, not Trump, that won the election because of his genius, but he also revealed that he had recruited uh, Facebook employees and I think Twitter employees to actually work inside the campaign to help them managing their messages on the social welfare platforms. Okay. What did that do? That was like a wake up. I write about this in the, in the, in Trump time, but that's like a wake up call to Silicon Valley. It's like Zuckerberg's getting hate mail. Dorsey's getting hate mail. How could you lie in bed and make a bunch of money from Trump? And it Parscale basically planted the seeds of Zuckerberg's counteroffensive in the 2020 campaign. Look, Brad, Brad's a good guy. He's a nice guy, but he's a geek. He sits. <laughs> <laughs> he sits. Yeah, he's I, again. It's like when the pandemic hit, it was a blessing for him because all he could go back to what he did in 2016 to find it. They're very important. What 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 he did in 2016 yeah. was sitting in San Antonio most yeah. of the time in front of his computer. And like this time when the pandemic hit, he was down here in Miami significantly richer with like a big boat and seven cars. He didn't even come very often up to Arlington to the campaign. You can't do that. He, look, look, it's like I, the, the analogy I used was like putting a plate a, a champion place kicker in at quarterback. Okay. He was a great place kicker in 2016. Okay. He could hit the uprights from 60 yards. And in 2020, you can't put him in the Super Bowl. That's the Super Bowl, guys. That's the Super Bowl. And he, he wasn't July, Tom Brady. Axios, uh, July 28, yeah. 2020 story, 2022 story. Navarro's dream cabinet for a potential second-term run. Navarro, hardcore Trump loyalist, gives uh, Axios an exclusive look at the passage containing potential choices for second-term cabinet from his uh, forthcoming book, Taking Trump back uh taking uh, back trump's america yeah. some old gang choices for 2025 former trump national security advisor robert o'brien for love secretary of state love the guy. ben carson to hhs 
Bob uh, uh, Light. Uh, instead uh, of instead of the urban, uh, <laughs> instead of instead of HUD. Yeah, which was like, oh, come on, give me a break. Yeah. By the way, if Carson had been there when the pandemic hit, we would have been a lot better off. Go ahead. I. I I, I think a lot of people agree. Bob uh, Lightheiser uh, uh, yeah. to Commerce, uh, yeah. Cash Patel to Director of National Intelligence, yeah. John Ratcliffe to CIA Director, yeah. Ken, uh, Ken uh, Cuccellini uh, re- re- returning as Head of Homeland Security. Oh, he went over the DeSantis card, so I got to rethink that, but go ahead. Dan uh, Broilett in second term of Energy, yeah. Linda McMahon to HUD, yeah. David Barnhart in second term of interior yep. and for new blood with strong Trump loyal ties, Judge uh, Janine uh, Pirro of Fox News Attorney General. Some say she may not have a job for too long of a time. Her and uh, 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 what's her name? Um, Bartiromo. Bartiromo. Yep, yeah. that's the name. Former. I that spin, but go ahead. Okay, former Congressman Sean Duffy to head transportation. Love him. Bill Gertz uh, for DNI or CIA. Oracle CEO Safra. Uh, uh, Katz or Laura Trump as U.N. ambassador and Mike Pillsbury, Frank Gaffney and Brian Kennedy as ambassador Nails. to China. Nails. So any other names you would say um, that uh, and by the way, it, this is this is for the cabinet right now for him to or win the West Wing. Right. Yeah. For, for right now for him to win 2024. Do you think he has the right people on his team today to win 2024? Uh, yeah, so far. Yeah. But but. But it's early in the campaign, and uh, there's a lot of demands on President Trump now. One of the things that really worries me is he's got this think tank. It's not his, but it's they're, they're using his name to raise a bunch of money. It's run by um, Brooke Rollins, who uh, was a good friend of Ivanka and ran uh, the Domestic Policy Council in the final months. And it, it, the, the, half of the people or more at that think tank are, are never Trumpers and do, documentingly so. It's like, what, what the hell's going on? There's just a lot of people measuring the drapes now on the outside. And, uh, I, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, my counsel to the boss over and over is going to be, you know, your most important decisions will be personnel initially. And we can't, we can't let history repeat itself there. What, what would you say were, you know, you always hear if you work for President Trump, loyalty is at the top, right? It's very important to be loyal to him. What other things do you think he values to get people on the inside? Well, I, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. I mean, look, if, if you, you got to have you got to have the smarts and the loyalty. That's that's the combo. Um, and um, he's a very some of the great, greatest times I had in the Oval Office. Um, were, were when we were debating complex policy issues or in the Roosevelt Room um, with group, groups of top advisors where he'd go around the room and listen. And, you know, if, if, if somebody started saying something that, that wasn't smart, he'd cut them off. Or, if he, you know, he has, he has an eerie way of finishing your thought. You, know, you can see kind of and he moves things along. But... Um, in 2016, after he won, there wasn't a lot of developed talent at that point because nobody thought he was going to be able to run. And there was some some problems we had early uh, that paved the way for uh, um, rhinos to get into positions of power. I mean, I, I like Reince now, and by the time Reince got fired – 
he was on the Trump train. But when he first came in, um, he, he wanted no part, no part of anything related to getting tough on trade. He was a strict Paul Ryan, Wisconsin Republican. They just wanted to pass a tax bill uh, and repeal Obamacare. They talked the boss into that, and it was a, it was a disaster because they couldn't deliver the vote. So point is, bad personnel um, is bad policy. And I would be remiss here, I've been, I've been good about not mentioning this, but let me just say that, you know, I'm canceled, right? I appreciate you having me on your show, but I'm canceled on places where I used to go normally, like CNN, MSNBC, um, Fox News, and what I've discovered, and this is why this is a great entrepreneur show, there's this thing, this, this Substack thing that um, has enabled me to speak directly to people in a way which helps me raise money also for my legal defense fund. It's, it's a million-dollar fight I'm in. But it's peternavarro.substack.com, peternavarro.substack.com. And what I'm trying to do with the Substack is, is, is about three times a week I'm putting out op-ed-length missives on issues related to communist China, uh, the economy, and the financial markets, which which speak to my strength as a macroeconomist and my Harvard PhD, um, things related to Fauci, and then just all things Trump 2024. We have the link. We, we yeah. posted it four or five times already yeah, for, I appreciate pe- for people it. to go Can there. Can I ask a question on the yeah, personnel? Sure. Um, we're talking about Trump's personnel. Yes. And for the audience, just yes. brace for impact. You may or may not like the question, but this is a direct question to you. You know, Trump prides himself on hiring the best. He's like, I, I do the, the best, apprentice. I hire the best, you know, yeah. the apprentice, yeah. you know, you're fine, all that, yeah. all that. So, you know, I had a conversation one time with former chief of staff, General John Kelly, and we had a cocktail. We were at a financial conference. He was the guest speaker and I candidly asked him a question. I said, what do you enjoy the most about working for President Trump? And what what did you least enjoy the most? Or what yeah. was your biggest uh, issue with him? And he goes, my biggest problem with President Trump was that he was not willing to listen to experts. This is his former chief of staff, General John Kelly, telling me this. This is what he said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we just went down the list. Gary Cohen, um, Mick Mulvaney, General Mattis, uh, General Kelly, Bill Barr, you said it was potentially a bad hire. Uh, even Mike Pence at this point is not exactly in best favor with Trump, although yeah. I think he was a very loyal vice president. John Bolton, not exactly a fan. Um, if Trump is elected again, yes, what? how much should he actually listen to experts and how much should he go with his gut? Like you even gave the example of... You think that Fauci lied to him, right? Who he keeps around him. So if you're Trump... But he didn't you, know that at the time. Right. Well, you never know if someone's lying to you up front. Like, you kind of find out in the end. But yeah. to be clear, yeah. uh, if Trump gets elected again, how much should he trust the advisors around him? Who should... He, we just went through this list versus just kind of go with his gut and do it by himself. What do you recommend? So um, I had an interesting relationship um, with John Kelly. I admire a man who puts on a uniform and puts his life at risk out in places like Afghanistan like Afghanistan and has a and and basically sacrifices one of his sons to that war because he lost a son there. Um Kelly uh was not suited for being chief of staff in the Trump White House. 
He should have stayed at the Department of Homeland Security. He understood border security and national security issues, and he would have done a good job there. But when Kelly came in, um, he committed the, the Corey Lewandowski, Dave Bossie ultimate sin, was he didn't understand to let Trump be Trump. And letting Trump be Trump means actually being able to listen, not just to experts, but to everybody. And what Donald Trump loves to do every day, and he, he's got the discipline. He, he's the hardest working man in show business. Trust me on that. Um, what he loves to do every day is, is scan all of the media. Right? He reads everything. He's, he's watching TV, picking up all that. And then he's on the phone most of the day, or he's got in-person meetings with people asking him about issues. And he values people in the streets' opinions as much as he does some of the so-called experts. And so when Kelly says that, what Kelly means is that he wouldn't listen to some of his advisors— who we figured out pretty early on didn't weren't on the Trump train, um, and Kelly wouldn't let him listen to others. I mean, Kelly used to eavesdrop on conversations. You see, the boss what the boss would do at night. You know, you, if you wanted to talk to the boss, and I had to do this a number of times. It's like it's like Kelly wouldn't let you talk to him, so I I just called him at night. Right? It's, you know, it's like, and then the next day it's like Kelly, what'd you call the boss for? He said I had to talk to him. It's like, I'm, assi- I'm an assistant to the president. I'm a highest rank. I don't report to you. I report to you. They have that conversation. But the point is that um, that's a bad rap. That's just wrong. And Kelly's mistake when he came in is he fell in with the wrong people, particularly on the trade issue. I mean, he went right with Mnuchin and Cohn and Rob Porter at the staff secretary office, and they did everything possible with Kelly helping him to stop the steel and aluminum tariffs to stop the China tariffs. And, and the boss like looks up like six months later and he goes, you know, where's my Peter? That was his rallying cry. He, he pulls me in. There's a famous scene in the book about how I go in there mano a mano with Gary Cohn. And it's like, it's like the boss finally says, no, we're going to do this. And, and we did it. And then shortly thereafter, Cohn's out the friggin' door. But that was Kelly's fault because Kelly tried to wall the boss off and and wall people like me off who supported the Trump stuff, which he viewed, frankly, as dangerous. And he, he went with the, 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 the regular line. And, you know, that's the sad thing was there's a there's a poignant moment in the book where we're sitting in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and it's like one of Kelly's last days. He's no he's out the door. He's sitting right by me and he apologizes. And he, he basically says, you know, it's like. You were one of the good guys, and I'm sorry I didn't get that right. And I said, you know, John, that's cool, man. We're good. Quick follow-up. I totally appreciate having uh, people that are on your team, on the Trump train, certainly in your cabinet. But Not sycophants, smart folks. That was my question. Willing, like I argue with the boss as much as I agree with him. Right. Okay? It's like I'll go in and tell him him stuff that he might not want to hear, but he respects that. He respects that. That's why I was able to stay so long, because he knew when I came in there and told him stuff, I wasn't bullshitting around. Mm-hmm. I just looked him in the eye. This is what I think. Right. And so, yeah, I guess, how do you not uh, insulate yourself with yes men 
versus people who are on your team but will also give you critical feedback when you're not he, making the he best decisions. He dopes that out. He dopes that out quickly. Yeah. I mean, he was like, he gets these people in there and then he's stuck. I mean, Mattis, Mattis, that guy, he sets up, look, again, he, he's a general. Like, you, get, you admire his service in the field, but he wasn't. He wasn't trained to run the Pentagon. He goes over there and he walls himself off. Um, he won't. Uh, he won't accept the appointments of anybody we send over to him. Instead, he wants to put in a bunch of liberal Democrat folks. And the biggest thing that 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 I fought him on was in order to get steel and aluminum tariffs passed, which and we need a steel and aluminum industries in this country. Um, we had to have buy-in from the SecDef, the Secretary of Defense, on the Co Department of Commerce, Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross's effort. And he fought us on that. And the boss is going, I remember there's a, <laughs> this, did not, this did not turn out well for me over time because I, I, I would take a lot of heat from these guys. But he brings me up, boss brings me into the Oval, and he's got Madison, Rex Tillerson there, the Secretary of State. Yeah. And he's, he's all going, these names. It's like the greatest hits. I haven't heard some yeah, of these yeah. names. He's in going, plus he's years. going, he and looks Re at, and Rex was outgunned by the position from day one. Yes. But, but, but he goes, he goes, Peter, tell these guys why we need to, to put tariffs on South Korea, please. And renegotiate that deal. Would you tell me that please? And it was like, it's like, guys, it's like national security is economic security. Economic security is national security. If we keep letting the Koreans, get away with all the unfair trade and putting our pickup truck industry and our auto industry out of business, we're not going to have the plants or the government revenues to make your tanks and planes. And, and by the way, Rex, uh, we're not going to have the status as a superpower if we're diminished by that. <laughs> That's those guys... Those guys, um, I, I've got to, someday I've got to publish this, this thing. It's just a short letter from Kelly to me, Chief of Staff Kelly, when I was, I was like, um, uh, as, as a White House advisor, I was in charge of, of foreign arms sales, okay? They were like dragons. So the idea is that if we can sell F-16s to, to Bosnia, right, that's a good deal for the American people because it creates jobs and it also outsources some of our defense obligations like we don't have to be there they'll do it for us and and it, 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 Madison's office was was giving me a hard time so I, I kind of like and, and, and next thing I know I get a I get this email from Kelly is like full stop Navarro how what, what was it what the hell do you think you're doing <laughs> General Mattis wrote you that. me that, and he, it's a CC to. Well, what the uh, hell did you think you were doing? I there, was Navarro? doing Trump's Trump's desire because he had told me to get those foreign arms sales going, and that's the job of a White House advisor, by the way, John, to use the power of the White House to move the Trump agenda. And I mm -hmm. looked at that, and I was like, oh, fuck. yeah, it's like, and I just kept doing what I was doing, and it, but 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 that's the kind of. That's the kind of dynamic in there that that you know it's like. Let's transition into a couple other stories. Sure. That was very helpful. Let's we got a few more minutes. I want to do a couple stories. So, is, Abby this Grossberg. Is fun, by the way. Yeah. No, we're having. A, a, You're fired a, a, up. I like this. This is like, great. You guys, you guys have some fun on this show. I like <laughs> it. And you haven't even had any chocolate. Oh, I I, I had a few. 
few bits before I got in. You said that dark it's, chocolate it's gets long, you going. It's yeah. a long, slow burn. It's nice. It keeps you. We'll get you chocolate yeah. after this. Uh, yeah. So, so Abby Grossberg, okay? Yes. Abby Grossberg, yes. uh, uh, who. Um, uh, she works at Fox. She was working under Tucker. I think at one point she was their senior booker. I don't think her and Tucker have ever met. She criticizes Tucker, what the environment's like. They don't care about telling the truth, and they don't care about women. This is what she said of Fox News. All they care about is ratings and revenue, right? That's her. Now, the uh, exchange came about where your uh, Ari Melber, I think eight days ago, does, you've been on Ari multiple, you guys have had some good exchanges together, and he shares a recording, and here's what he says. I want to get your thoughts on this. So, yeah. so recording February 27, 2021, you say Trump also has to clean up the people who surrounded him in the final days of administration and who are crowding him now at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, like tens of millions of dollars left in the campaign that they didn't spend in time to challenge the election issues, and oh, that was criminal. Abby Grossberg says, what happened to all that money, Navarro? Well, not there. now they're going to, I'm going to name names, Bill Stapian, Stapian, Justin Clark are the campaign guys now that they'll go on the payroll and they'll spend that money and it'll go right into their pockets. Brad Parscale uh, might get some of that as well. It's crazy. So one thing we're learning about Abby, if you're ever talking to her, just assume there's a recording going on and she's recording the conversation, okay? But what happened here, if you don't mind sharing this? Because as much as I like, Abby and I, I interacted with her only when she was Bartiromo's producer before she got with Tucker. Is she trusted? The, Is she good well, at what she idea, does? The idea, she's very good at what she does. Um, and, but, and I can talk uh, a lot about how the problem at Fox, but let me just say that she had no business recording me that, that without telling me that that's, yeah, I, I, and by the way, I don't mind, you know, when I say something, I consider it to be on the record, okay? These reporters say, well, you want to do background? No, no, no. It's like, here it is. I'm just, I'll tell you that. But um, I think what's interesting about Abby Grossberg and my interactions with her um, as, a, as a frequent guest on Bartiromo's Sunday show was was kind of the the progression of my cancellation from Fox. You know, when I first got out of the White House, I, I would go on Bartiromo's show like I did when I was in the White House. It was like like no big deal. But but what, what would happen afterwards is like Abby would put me in, Maria would want me on, and uh, some other producer somewhere who should have had no business intervening would say, no, he can't do that or he can't talk about this. There was one case, and this is breaking a little news, <laughs> where I actually recorded a segment. I think it was on Fauci. Um, And it was, I mean, if you play that today, it was like fidelity. I mean, it was just so spot on. But for whatever reason, it was too hot to handle. They canceled it. They took it out of the lineup. And they they did it at such a late date because they they taped the show and then they put it together just before airtime that they had like a gap kind of at the end from it. Um, but what that tells me is that that the censors at Fox were the never Trump wing of the Fox News Network, which is which is large and larger now, was already beginning to work their magic. And Abby was was caught in that because she was trying to do legitimate, hard hitting news that would appeal to the Fox viewer. 
and she wasn't being allowed to do that. I don't know what happened with the Tucker stuff. I, I, I love Tucker. I don't want to get in the middle of that, but I do know when she was working for Bartiromo, the Fox News producers, with orders from uh, the second floor, that's what they'd always say, it was from the second floor. Who's that? That's Suzanne Scott, who runs the network, and Lauren Pedersen. Most powerful person in media. Suzanne Scott and Lauren Pedersen. Don't, don't count her out. She is, uh, she is uh, more of a snake than Suzanne is. Suzanne's, Suzanne will tell you to your face. Lauren will just stab you in the back. So numbers came out, Fox News, first week, viewership dropped 29.6%. First week, dropped 29.6%. Since the firing of Tucker? Since the firing of Tucker. 29.6%. That's a lot of numbers right there. After paying $750 million. 787. 787. So so on top of that, you have to find that you're, you're being paid. Joe Biden's writer writes one of the best jokes where he's at the the, the White House dinner, whatever the dinner, correspondence dinner. dinner. Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, NBC is here that owns MSNBC and, you know, Dominion's here that owns Fox News and all this other <laughs> stuff. You know, it's a good joke yeah, that he yeah, says yeah. and, you know, yeah. great job to the writer. And you have to tell those jokes. These are yeah. jokes that you have to say with what happened. Yeah. What are your thoughts, one, with what's going on at Fox and as well as uh, uh, any thoughts you may have with Tucker? Not Not related to Abby, just Tucker himself. Well, again, a little breaking news for your show um, in terms of my cancellation. With Tucker, I I was on Tucker every once in a while. He doesn't, you know, but um, he had scheduled me twice to come down to his Florida Fox Nation studio to do the hour-long special, kind of like this. And both times, those got canceled. And uh, at the time, I, I was... I was wondering whether it was part of the broader cancellation of Fox, um, but now I'm sure of that. So I'm kind of wondering how he let that happen in some sense. I mean, I got pulled on my way to the the, the video truck from Janine's show twice. I, it, so so I think Tucker I, I think Tucker was was really pissed off at the restraints that. Fox was trying to put on him, and I think that probably led him to to even fight harder for what he wanted to say, which which kind of escalated the whole thing. But but look, Fox, I think Fox will be just more than happy to let Fox News kind of fade sort of into the sunset. They'll have like a steady thing. Cable TV is, I mean, this is the future right here, right? It's, it's a streaming model. Uh, the Fox audience demo is is a, is a cable news, very old demographic. It's like the Chinese population. It's, it's you know, it's it's kind of di- literally dying off. And they'll make all their money off Fox uh, Sports, which is a which is a bonanza, and and Fox Entertainment and all the other kind of stuff they do. But the politics of Fox News is quite quite simple. You have uh, the, the Never Trump traditional Rhino. Republican in name only wing in control of the network right now with the help of Lachlan and James Murdoch, who are effectively Democrats. Roger Ailes is gone, so he no longer pleases that. And Fox is never Trump and and adopts that persona strictly for business purposes. That's where the money is. That's where the, the, the Wall Street globalist money 
uh, the Pfizer money that runs all the big farmer ads. And they just as soon have Trump go away. So they stop televising his rallies. They don't have him on very often. Surrogates like me, Rudy, Mike Flynn, Don Jr., you know, it's like we're we're person and on grata Laura Trump left there. And I think it's important, you know, like I urge people now to cut the cord. There's there's a, a frequent guest host in, uh, on Steve Bannon's War Room Pandemic. Uh, there's there's Newsmax, which is just up the road from here. There's the uh, One uh, America oh, yeah. News Network. Um, and then there's just a wealth of podcasts out there that, uh, you know, the, the, the Real America's Voice, which is the one Bannon's on, also has like the young generation, Charlie Kirk, John Solomon, um, at six with kind of the inside scoop. So my point is that that don't watch Fox. You, they're, they're lying to you. That They're lying to you until they change their ways. There's no reason to watch Fox. Tucker was pre- pretty much the only reason why. Fox is lying to you. Oh, yes. Yes. Hey, so so let's define that. Yes. Hannity. Look, I, you got I some feel people bad. that are still brand. No, 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 you got no, no, some, like, you got like, some names look, there. Look, so. look, look, look. The, the whole election issue, yeah. they, they they bullied Hannity and Laura Ingram into kind of like, oh, it's like leave it alone. Let's look at the net. That was the spin. That all came from the second floor, came from the Murdochs. Um, but the but the lie. Look, Fox will still throw red meat on the traditional issues. But at the end of the day, they're not going to tell you the truth about everything from, from communist China, the, the real truth, to the Jan 6th, to November 3rd, any of that. They're just not. And, and you know, the Carl Rove's, I mean, you look at Carl Rove, right? He's like, he's like the most powerful person on the air. And Paul Ryan, the ex-Speaker of the House on the board of directors, is the most powerful person at Fox off the air besides the, the family itself. So do, do you think do you think do you think Fox and Murdoch's there's a lot of talk. They're like, oh, we're going to they're going to silence uh, Tucker the next 18 months and they're going to keep paying him on the contract and they're not going to release him because they're worried he's going to be able to influence the election a lot. So they're going to have to silence him there. Do you think if let's just say that that theory is correct, do you think Fox and Murdoch's are for DeSantis to and help anybody him? Anybody but Trump. So, but is it anybody but Trump? Yes. Or if- is it a liberal? Then DeSantis, then Trump. No, no, it's, it's anybody, anybody but, but Trump. Trump. Because We're, DeSantis, look, MAGA, right? At the first and foremost, what MAGA is is the strong American manufacturing base achieved by being savvy and tough in the international global trading arena. DeSantis has no experience in that. So he's and he's getting a lot of big money from from the Steve Schwartzmans, the Larry Finks of this world who own you know, Wall Street and all the hedge fund money who make all their money from that. So it's anybody but Trump. And, and that's that's the way the coverage is going to go. I mean, I look at uh, it, I look at, for example, um, uh, the Sunday show on Fox. You know, they have Asa Hutchinson on. He's the guy's like polling at less than 1%. They, they give him a platform. But but to your point uh, about Tucker, you know, what's their strategy? I, I was on 
Eric Bowling last night. Bowling is a former Fox alum mm-hmm. who got the same treatment Tucker's getting. You know, he, he push him out the door, and then the next thing you know, they're leaking all sorts of shit to try to. Uh, pardon me, there uh, the, the reputation stuff. And here's here's the strategy with Tucker. It's very simple. What they're going to do with Tucker, uh, they're going to keep him on the payroll for a uh, uh, for a while until a couple of things happen. One is that he signs a non disclosure agreement, so he won't be dumping on Fox when he leaves. Okay, that's one of the things they'd like to get. And in the meantime, they're going to use the leak machine to degrade his brand so that his his options will be less. Whatever they are now, they'll be less by the time he gets out. And if you don't believe me, just look at the Lou Dobbs model. That's what they did with Lou. Lou was the tucker of Fox Business. Okay, He was the guy with the highest ratings on Fox Business. Tucker's the highest guy with the highest ratings on Fox News. What they did with Lou, you know, he was a sacrificial lamb. They fired him. They kept him on the payroll. I think it was for over a year. And now he's, you know, he's doing a podcast and he, you know, he, he's, I love Lou, but he's, you know, struggling to stay in the top 100. They degraded his brand. And so that's the strategy. And, and they, the only issue with Lou Dobbs is what, almost 80? Tucker's in his early 50s? Well, he's or? not talking about right now. What he's saying is what they did to him right after. Yeah, that's that was what a he's few saying. years ago. It's the that same. Wasn't, yeah, but it's not talking about personality. He's talking about it's, contract it's, strategy. Yeah, yeah, it's the point. No, I get yeah. it, but Tucker's a fighter, whereas Lou Dobbs is a little bit older. It's, it's going to be harder to, to silence someone Look, dude, that Tucker's, is way more mainstream than Lou and Dobbs. And what was Lou's sin? Patriotism. Yeah. I mean, Tucker, look, Tucker's. You, you're right on. Tucker's a bigger. Adam's bigger got a force point because you're talking about Lou. he's 77. You know, Tucker's 53 or 54. Yeah. And yet, with due respect yet. to Lou Dobbs, I watch Fox Business all the time. Charles Payne and yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil Cavuto. I think they're great. Bartiroma. Tucker's way bigger than Lou Dobbs. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm yeah. Let's stay on this question. So, yeah. so yeah. what yeah. if somebody. Like, like the what, Fox, they, they learn from what they what did if somebody to Lou, offers, that the, the model. What if you, somebody offers to buy Tucker's current remaining contract with Fox, release him, and sell it? No. They, 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 look, the big thing is the non-disclosure. Okay? They don't want Tucker going off and, and talking about the inner workings of Fox. It goes, <laughs> he goes over to, like, I don't know, Newsmax or uh, One America's News. Uh, the, those things, like, immediately, they, they, their whole viewership jumps dramatically. Real America's Voice brings him in. I mean, they don't they, – they have to – they have to shut him down. They have to keep him quiet. You know, they, that's what they do. If you look at what they did with Megyn Kelly, they, whoever, it's like they get them, they force them to sign non-disclosure deals, and they leak. That's the big thing. They're leaking all sorts of stuff right now to kind of make Tucker look certain comments, look like certain a, stories. You know, what? what yeah, they do the yeah. same thing that Trump gets. He's a misogynist. He's a racist. He's a this. He's a that. You can't believe any of that crap. There's a playbook here, is what? Yeah, you're there's saying. a playbook, and they're following the playbook. It's just business, and it's scurrilous business. It's business without ethics or morals, and that's why I say the people who watch Fox News. Mm-hmm. cannot trust Fox News to tell them the truth. Well, isn't that way. politics in general? Business without morals and ethics? That's just, I mean, that's politics, Yeah, but isn't when it? did politics become the same principles for journalism? Okay? Well, I, last time I looked, it's called Fox News. It's not called Fox Propaganda. 
Although it should be. Well, right. Yeah. Well, we can have look, a whole two-hour podcast yeah, well, about that got, and CNN. I got two chapters in the in the uh, Taking Back Trump's America book on uh, the uh, the fall from grace of the Fourth Estate. But the, you know, I mean, I it's yeah. like we're Ari Fleischer wrote a whole book about that. He was here a handful of months ago and said exactly that. Yes, and and I mentioned Ari in my Taking Back Trump's America book because one of the problems we had early on was we lost the guy who would have been a good press secretary in Jason Miller to his own kind of personal troubles. And then we had a succession of people that never met the standard of, of the Ari Fleischers of this world or the Pierre Salingers um, or, you know, some of those uh, really good press secretaries who could handle the media. We, we just got handled, but that's another story. I don't know. We're going to see what's going to happen there. I mean, obviously, you know, there is a massive need for, something right now and if they're not going to release the guy because they're trying to hurt him the next 18 months and spread all these uh, rumors the text the white man you saw what they said about you know tucker's uh, exchange was that how it's white men fight garbage. and all this other stuff they, it's just... i i don't know if it's gonna work and i think it could potentially also backfire on them but we will see we're gonna see what's gonna happen tom what is going on with the economy i know yesterday powell oh, said he increased the rates by a quarter of a basis point yeah what, 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 what do you know about what's going on right now? Well, we have an economist in the house, so maybe we talk about the economy and talk about the Fed yesterday. Well, as we like to say on this program, um, Jerome Powell did what he said he was going to do. He head upstairs and saw the cheerleader and pounded the economy for another quarter point. However, in his comments, the comments that Jerome Powell made, everyone was expecting him to have a very everybody reads the statements of the fed and we were looking for a moderated statement and after this i anticipate maybe a flat summer there and he starts talking about manufacturing in mid-year instead he said you know i gotta watch this economy because you know like training a dog um there may be more firming necessary. And when he said the word more firming necessary in his comments, everybody, Wall Street got nervous, and you saw the whole banking sector yesterday. It wasn't just First Republic contagion. It was concern that he used more firming may be necessary, which means in June they think rates may go up. So what's going on right now? The most likely scenario, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and, and say this. So this is what I think, PBD. Everything I've looked at, I don't think we're going to see a rate increase in June. I don't think we're going to see it in uh, uh, July because it's every six weeks, folks, that the Fed gets together with their board of governors and they all meet. Uh, and I don't think there's going to be a rate increase. Then we get all the way down deep into um, at September. But what I do think is we are, and 88% of the uh, analysts on Wall Street believe we're going to have a mild recession that is evident in the November time frame. That will push the Fed's hand, and I believe in December you'll get your quarter point drop because they'll want to put liquidity into the economy because combination of unemployment and um, a, a defined recession, and unemployment usually goes with recession because people are not employed, not buying stuff, which um, pulls back GDP. Uh, I think that's what's going on. I think we're about to have a flat summer, but we did not get the enthusiasm about tamed inflation that we thought we were going to get from Jay Powell. And he put the next quarter point on there, and it's not going to help the housing market. It's not going to help uh, mortgages, and it's not going to help business liquidity. There's a big credit crunch right now, and, and uh, commercial real estate is in deep trouble. 
What do you say about that? What are your thoughts? Hey, hey Rob, do, Rob, do me a favor. See if you pull up like Bloomberg and see what right now what the S and P is doing, whether it's up or down. And because S and P's well, down um, thirty, yeah, third of a point. nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yesterday it it, it Half dumped a point. right after. So my joke is that the the bay the way to be able to afford a house in Palm Beach over the last. I don't know, ever since Powell got, got appointed, was to um, short the stock market whenever he got on the podium. And there's been only one time when Jerome Powell has got on the podium where the stock stocks went up. Because mm-hmm. even if he's got, like, good news, right, he, he, can't, he can't, he's like selling sushi like raw fish, right? So the guy, um, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make it. But, but, but what you've just laid out is, is kind of, I think that's like um, hope is not a strategy. It's the Mike Tyson thing. That that you've got a plan uh, when you go into the ring until you take the first punch in the face. And we got we got punches coming at us. So here's the way. Here's the one thing I can I can tell tell your viewers here. It's like when you're in a stagflation world like we are, which is simultaneous recession and inflation. That's not normal. You usually have one or the other. And when you have that kind of macroeconomic condition, um, Keynesian policy tools do not work. So if the Fed tries to restrain inflation by raising interest rates like it's doing, it's going to trigger a worse recession. If it relents, like you're saying, down the road uh, by cutting rates or, or, or stopping it's going to exacerbate the inflation. And so the Fed is a one-trick pony. Um, you can't use expansionary and contractionary fiscal policy uh, to control stagflation. The answer here, and this will be for the campaign in 2024, is the only solution is structural, structural changes in the economy. And right now, what we need to do in the very short run is for Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans to hold the line and get a deal where you cut back some of those extravagant expenditures by the Biden regime because part of the inflation is what we call demand pull inflation, too much money chasing too, too many goods. That would be, that would be uh, a, a good step. Um, and the other kind of inflation you have is cost push. Right. It's the worst kind of inflation. And that's the food and energy type inflation. And that's where you need the structural solution. So you watch President Trump. He is going to run on the restoration of strategic full spectrum energy dominance so that we can go back to where we were which was the incredible position of being the number one petroleum producer in the world and a net exporter determining the price of oil in world markets rather than what we are now where Biden has ceded that not just to Saudi Arabia but to Russia. I wrote a substack about this. This kind of stuff I do. It's like like right now Putin needs $100 a barrel of oil to fund his war machine. Saudis need $85 a barrel to fund their social welfare uh, bribery machine. What they do, the Saudi deal is they pay off the people there from throwing them out um, at, at knife point uh, by giving them a bunch of government services, right? And so 
We're going to have oil, which is going to be 85 to $100. That's going to drive up food prices uh, for the next two years. Um, instead of the $60 barrel oil, we averaged under Trump. So that, that'll give you a flavor. But, you know, if, if uh, God forbid, I were Fed chair, I'd be telling the, the White House and the Congress is, hey, I can't solve this problem alone for you. You need to take the appropriate steps. You, you, I'm, I'm raising rates to control inflation. And Congress and Joe, you're, you're passing massive spending of bills which we don't need, which you're pushing inflation out of control. Yes, sir. I happen to agree with you on one thing there is Just American one? energy. Uh, no, 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 no. no. There's, <laughs> Just I, messing with you. I, Come on. Give the bar a little I, credit I here, you on a couple things. So it's like, <laughs> Jesus. By the way. That's a good troll. <laughs> Oh, well played, Peter Navarro. And I was about to be nice to you. Uh, the, the, um, uh, on energy, energy independence, yeah. um, and in this room, yes. all of us in this room um, are all about drill, baby, drill. Yes. And because what you can do in Anwar, what you can do in Permian Basin, and we all know you were speaking about the uh, economic viability cost yeah. per barrel. Yeah. We all know what happens at $60 a barrel. Below $60 a barrel, we can't do anything in North Dakota with the shale because right. yeah. we have icon. Uh, we have like a fifty-five dollar extraction cost. Although we're getting better, that's right. It's, Moving target. It, it's come yeah. down, but but by, yeah, I take your point. By the way, us in Canada with yeah. the Alberta sands, yeah, that's why the um, Saudis six years ago artificially yeah, cratered it down yeah, to forty-five, yeah, yeah, and they and, wanted to keep it below the extraction capability of the Alberta shell and the um, and Trump got all over them for that. Correct. Yeah. So number one, energy independence. You're correct. So in other words, for people who are paying attention here. Drilling is good. Sensible drilling is good. Sensible drilling makes you independent of other people because you can take the oil that we have here first. And second of all, overstimulus, when you're talking about demand pull, that's what people seem to understand. When you give $1.6 trillion to the American people, they don't put it in their bank account and, and, and buy you know regular consumer staples and get through COVID. They go out and buy a ton of crap. Yes. And it creates its own inflation. Yes. Not with not only with the demand pull, but also the devalue of the currency value because you just Thank what you. you did to M1 and M2 because you threw all this money into the into the barrel. Yes. Last question, we last uh, conversation. So, so you see? Yeah, you, what, the, hmm. one hope thing, is just, not a method, just, but we agree just, more than you think. Just so so you know where I stand on the climate change issue. If you believe in climate change, there's only one way to solve that problem. That's carbon capture on the supply side. You can't have the American people uh, just unilaterally disarm on the oil drilling and expect India and China and the rest of the world not to stay on carbons. But anyway... Hmm. Last thing here. Tom, I do agree 30% with... 30% electric cars in California. Adam, call let me your, do this. Cause your yeah. umbrella. Last thing here. This just happened yesterday, yes. okay? New mortgage fee spark controversy. They were talking about this as a possibility. It's officially effective. Mortgage fee at 740 credit. Before, 1750 Now, $3,062 yeah. just because you have good credit. 250 so bucks you, a month, ladies and gentlemen. You pay what? lesser fee... For having worse credit, yes. bad credit, yes. and this is calculated at a $350,000 mortgage, 20% yeah. down, you're yeah. paying $1,300 more fee for being responsible yeah. with your credit. By the way, find I, us a 350 mortgage. It's more yeah. like 600 I don't, I don't normally have high blood pressure, just the opposite. But when I saw that, God, these woke, these woke fools are just destroying this country, they're destroying the economy, the political system, the culture, the judicial system. And that's why we got to take back Trump's America. That's This 2024 election, if we don't 
take back the House and the Senate with Trump Republicans and the White House, this beat will go on. It's like uh, they're it just no, no. So, so this can, can, can we play this one wrong. game for two minutes? Sell this to me. Be a devil's advocate and sell it. Now, the common sense makes no sense, but actually try to make an effort, Tom, to sell this. Or, Peter, how do you sell this? Okay. Um, So I'll be be Biden. Um, What was the question? What were we talking about? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it's the first thing is I'm going to help first-time homeowners who are – from lower income because mortgage insurance and there's a part of this that adds to your payment. So I want to help them, but because it's coming from the federal side, you know, we have to have an offset and the offset is going to be other people are going to pay more. And folks, folks, come on now, a tax pays for battleships and for social programs and a lot of other things. And the wealthier people pay more tax than these people. Think of it that way. How would you sell it? How do you sell this? I'm really trying to figure out like how I'm I, trying to well, I'm trying to well, sell well, it on the inequitable tax base because that's how it's been sold. Sell this, to us. Adam. How do you sell this? Well, I, you can't sell it because it makes no sense. I mean, the, the reason that I think I found issue with this, it's not ex- exactly answering your question, but my issue is, you know, I've made my name at least in the social media world about being smart with your money, being prudent with your money, you know, being having fiscal conservative with your money, and paying off debt, saving money, investing, put it in index funds, buying REITs, just driving up your credit score, doing everything you should be doing to have a good framework for your finances, and then enter this where it's like, yeah, turns out we don't need to do any of that because uh, we'll give you a better loan, and uh, if your credit score sucks, it's all good. So it, it... to me, it's sort of just the antithesis of what you I'm should be I'm willing to listen to where you sell something. How do you sell Obamacare? Okay, you can sell it. How do you sell, you know, how do you, how do you sell this? <laughs> how do you sell this? Hey, because you are responsible, you got great, great, great yeah. credit 740, that means you're rich, so you can afford to pay $1,300 more to the poor man who is not responsible with his credit because that's what we got to do. Well, just it's a because, noble thing to do. Just because you have a good credit this. score doesn't mean you're rich. just means that you're not... I, Exactly. Drowning in debt, and you're yeah. paying your bills on time, and you're doing what you should be doing, so you can hopefully become rich. I know a lot of broke people with so great prudence, credit. Yes. Prudence I know a lot of great people, yeah, yeah. you know, poor people with credit. Anyways, Peter, it's been great having you on. We're going to put yeah. the link below to your Substack, Rob, yep. again, as well as the book. Folks, if you haven't ordered it yet, go order the book, as well as subscribe to uh, Dr. Peter Navarro's Substack as well. Aside from that, I think today's what? Today's Thursday, so we've got no other podcast. Or we do have podcasts on Saturday. Saturday morning, yeah. yes. Saturday 9 morning. Who's going to? Uh, Tim Pool. Tim Pool will be here on the podcast. Tim I have a podcast. Here. Yeah, Tim Pool will be here. here. I have a podcast this afternoon. I've been at Tim Pool's shop out in the, the Blue Ridge Mountains there. Where it's like a little more rustic. Okay. They're a little more rustic. Well, he <laughs> got animals, chickens running around in the yard, a little dust. That's cool. Well, we got, got chickens here as well, but they're but different kind slumming. of chickens. He's slumming it down here in Palm yeah. Beach. All right. Very cool. Well, the P- Dr. Peter Navarro, again, hey, thank you for coming I, I, on. This I, was I fantastic. I greatly, uh, greatly enjoyed this. Anytime. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye.